welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Jeff Griffin. Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, stories of inspiring achievements and community contribution. Every week, we will celebrate an award program category winner or finalist. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know that Australia is in good hands. Together with our corporate partners and not-for-profit partners, Awards Australia showcase ordinary people from right across Australia doing extraordinary things. If you enjoy hearing the stories of our inspirational Australians, please subscribe, rate us and review us. We'd really appreciate it. My guest today is given so much of himself to volunteering and making a difference across his short lifetime, particularly to surf lifesaving. He has also forged a very successful career as senior town planner at Canterbury Bankstown Council. In recognition of his achievements, Michael Benici was chosen as the 2018 Freemasons New South Wales ACT Community Service and Volunteering Award recipient, part of the Seven News Young Achiever Awards. Michael was so highly regarded by the judging panel that he was also chosen as the Young Achiever of the Year. It's great to have you on the podcast, Michael. Welcome. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. You uh, clearly were an outstanding uh, choice by the judges, not only to win the Freemasons Award for your efforts and your work in community service and volunteering, but also as the Young Achiever of the Year, which is pretty awesome. I know the judges were just in awe of the amount of work that you do, the progression that you had made through the ranks in surf lifesaving, and clearly you've got a real passion for surf lifesaving. What led you down that path initially? Yeah, so I guess I had a few troubles um, sort of growing up and hanging around the wrong crowds, and I actually had a teacher that pointed me in the direction of volunteering and I just sort of exposed myself to as much of it as I could and developed a real passion um, for everything in volunteering and, and surf lifesaving was the was the main one um, growing up doing nippers. Um, and it gave me a lot of leadership skills and um, positions, I guess, that helped me both with my personal, personal stuff that was going on as well as some career aspirations that I had. So, yeah, I really just enjoyed every every moment there were so many opportunities that were getting thrown at me and it was um just a really good pathway as a, as a young person coming through it's a common story isn't it you know we get into the wrong group or uh, bad habits for whatever reason it is and all power to your teacher that's an inspiration in itself for other teachers to suggest ways that young people can get connected with things and often it comes because of boredom that we might mix with the wrong people and clearly you made a really good choice. You're patrol captain at Wanda Surf Club now. How long have you been at Wanda and, and what levels of service have you progressed through to be where you are now? Yeah, so I've been there since I was five as a nipper. Um, I started patrolling when I was 14. Um, so this is my 10th year patrolling um, for Wanda. Um, I've given over a thousand hours um, as a bronze medallion patrol member and, and being a patrol captain. Um, and I also, 
operate the jet skis and um, am a duty officer for call-outs after hours and stuff like that. So I really love everything I do with Wander and, and Surf Life Saving and, and it's progressed me into further role, um, leadership and executive roles in the club with which have given me some great opportunities as well. Yeah, I guess uh, being on the jet ski would be a little bit of uh, fun as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love it. It's it's so good, especially even like it's great fun, but even, um, you know, in big surf, it's pretty amazing what we can do in terms of the rescues that we can perform and the positions we can get in, get ourselves in around rocks and stuff like that on on pretty um, pretty dangerous conditions. Yeah, have you had any serious rescues, you know, like really uh, life and death rescues yourself? Yeah, I have actually. I've had um, two unfortunate fatalities um, that were pretty um, hit me a bit to see that sort of, especially as a young person. Um, but I've also had some pretty pretty cool rescues, both on the on a rescue board where someone like someone I thought would have drowned for sure, and we went we managed to rescue them. Um, as well as a, a rescue on the jet ski where um, there was a, a man in trouble probably 20 metres from shore and I rescued him and he was actually standing on his wife under the water. Um, so yeah. when I pulled his, pulled him up, his wife came up after that. So um, that was another one that took me by surprise but nonetheless was a good result. So it's, it's moments like those that uh, make me really proud and, um, yeah, really really thankful for all the training and the opportunities that I've got in surf lifesaving. Yeah, all the tra- training pays off at those moments. And uh, as you say, makes it all worthwhile and you appreciate why you have to go through those hours and hours of maybe sometimes tedious and uh, training sessions that you may not fully understand probably in the early days. But that that's, I mean, it's that's really amazing, the scenarios that you have had to deal with as a young person uh, that is extraordinary for us as mere mortals to think what you have to go through and what you do saving lives it doesn't get any more important than that so all power to you mate you and I remember meeting you you're a really humble guy I wouldn't you're confident but you're really humble about what you do and the difference you make in the community and when we met back in 2018, I was really impressed with the young man you are. So, oh, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, absolute pleasure, and and that's what the awards are all about: acknowledging people that may not, in the broader community, otherwise be acknowledged. So, you uh, you do an amazing job. How many are involved at Wonder Surf Club? Uh, we have fourteen, just over fourteen hundred members, um, but around two to three hundred of them are really active and, and do most of our patrols. But a lot of those members, um, you know, there's parents and grandparents and it's just a really good community to be a part of. Even for those that don't patrol, there's some, some might be down there making lunches or uh, fixing things and it's just like a little family. Fantastic. A pretty busy beach, I guess. Yes. The Cronulla beaches in Sydney, incredibly busy in the summer. Um there's actually four surf clubs that share the same stretch of beach. Um, so there's a few rivalries there, but we all work <laughs> together nonetheless for the same common goal. So, yeah, it's the Sutherland Shire is definitely a, a beach, um, crazy and passionate community. Just between you and I, right? This, uh, this won't go any further. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
I'm presuming Wanda's the best. Yes. Well, we actually we won Club of the Year for Surf Sydney um, this season, just gone. So, um, you know, the trophy's there on the shelf to, to prove it, even though <laughs> that we, we always think we're the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on winning this year's trophy. Who won it last year is a matter of interest. Uh, it was actually Gary in the, in the Royal National Park, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure you'll have it for a few years to come. <laughs> <laughs> Let it gather some dust there for a few years. Yes. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> well, you all do an amazing job protecting the community and uh, making sure that they're safe to every possibility available to you. How many clubs are dotted around New South Wales? There's actually 129. Um, so yeah, quite a, quite a lot, um, over 70,000, 70,000 members as part of surf doing New South Wales. Wow. That's, um, that's, that's amazing. So 70,000 members, what percentage of that would be volunteer? Um, that's all volunteers. So 100, 100%. So yeah, that doesn't include any staff. There are staff, but yeah, the, 70 odd thousand um is is 100 volunteer based wow that's massive that is really huge yeah you're also director of life saving can you tell us what that involves yeah so i was um, director of life saving and then went on to be the club captain as well and um for four years really enjoyed my time on on the board and um it involved I guess, running the patrol operations at Wanda um, all together with the life-saving and education team. So we we assembled all, all the patrols and we make sure that um, our patrols are up to standard, that we're, we're offering new training and uh, annual skills maintenance and proficiencies. Um, and we also, you know, if, if we get call-outs after hours or outside of our normal flagged area, we respond to those as well. So it's a it's an all of operation, I guess, um, response and um, management sort of team. But yeah, it's a, it a really good role and gave me a lot of opportunities. Even just working on the board of directors for the club and seeing um, other things like financials or the surf sports side or the juniors and just how they operate gave me a great understanding. Just in terms of operating on a committee um, and how to speak, I guess, a bit more professionally and how to engage with. Um, more professional people as a as a young person. Yeah, I think that's really important. Have you ever done anything across a broader scale of surf lifesaving other than just with Wanda? Um, well, now in my current role, I'm now the lifesaving manager for Surf Lifesaving Sydney. I manage or help manage the 15 clubs in Sydney and and the 20 odd thousand members that we have in Sydney. So even sitting on that lifesaving executive, we manage the support operations response, which includes everything from jet skis, helicopters, drones, and the like, and our duty officer and rescue coordinator team. And, and yeah, so so I really enjoy the, the life-saving manager role. And um, it's, I guess it's that upper echelon now of managing um, a lot more people and um, I guess needing to speak a lot more professionally to higher skilled uh, members in the organisation. That's fantastic. What's the average age of uh, someone in a more senior position at club level and certainly on the executive? Would you epitomise the average age or would they normally be a bit older? 
Yeah, normally a lot older. Um, normally most people on the board are, you know, between their 30s and 60s, I would say. Um, some being older, some being life members that have, have served in surf lifesaving for 40 plus years sort of thing. So there's definitely um, at the start of getting onto a board, the, the, the sort of feeling that, oh, you're only a youngster, you know, you're just sort of there to fit the position. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to take that. I really wanted to be respected and I wanted people to hear my opinion. And I think I presented a lot of evidence-based arguments, especially with our membership, mostly being under the age of 25. Um, I was able to represent their concerns really well. And and I gained a lot of support for that. And I've sort of carried that momentum into, into my current role as well now. So it's something I was really passionate about, youth development and um, giving the youth of our organisation a voice, um, especially, you know, that 18 to 25 bracket is usually when a lot of people stop volunteering um, because other things that happen in life, whether at university, boyfriends, girlfriends, work, things like that. So um, that was a, an issue that I really wanted to focus on. Yeah, or power to you. You've also been a volunteer across other organisations, haven't you? What are some of those and uh, what were you in, What were you doing in, during, at those organisations? Yeah, so uh, I guess through high school I, I did the Salvation Army um, door knock appeal every year. Um, I, I donate blood every two weeks for um, Australian lifeblood. Um, and I was lucky enough to go to Cambodia with um, Samaritan's Purse Australia and help build schools in um, the Battambang province, which was um, really a highlight of my life so far, getting to see what they they go through and, and also the change that that charity is making over there. Would you say that um, when we are feeling a little bit dejected about our lot in life, that we should um, maybe think of people in Cambodia, Vietnam, some of those other poor countries, and we may feel a little bit happy with our position. Absolutely. And I guess the epitome of that was, you know, handing out the, uh, there was like a Christmas shoe box appeal and in the shoe box had like basic stationery and things like that, a toothbrush, toothpaste, and when we gave those to those kids, they were literally running around screaming. They were so happy. And it really puts everything into perspective, especially with what we're going through right now with COVID, um, to think about what they were going through. And, and even some of the stories about um, how most of their water supply is not uh, filtered and it's not safe to drink and things associated with their genocide and there's still uh, ongoing issues with that and corruption in their country and the inability to get work. Definitely, puts, it's always in the back of my mind um, about people that are lesser off and how lucky we are in Australia. Yes, very true. I uh, have someone that I respect greatly in New Zealand. He, amongst many, many things, is a um, what he would call football, I would call soccer. <laughs> Sorry to the purists of the round ball code listening. He is a rugby league referee, and I feel he's a sucker for punishment. But you are also a referee and a sucker for punishment. Tell us more about what you referee. Um, I've always loved rugby league, and I used to, I played growing up, and I'm a passionate Canterbury Bulldogs 
supporter, even though we're, we're coming dead last. Um, but <laughs> uh, I guess when I transitioned from, from not playing, um, I still wanted to be involved in the game. And, and that's why I took up refereeing. And, and I've, I think I've been doing it for about 10 years now. And um, I spent three years in the New South Wales um, junior rep refereeing squad. Um, refereeing Howard Matthews, Tasha Gale and, and SG Ball and got to be coached by some of the likes of Gavin Badger, Ben Cummins, um, Alan Shortle, um, some, a lot of first grade referees in, in the NRL. So I really loved refereeing and I don't, I'm not a sucker for punishment. Um, I genuinely go out there just to have fun and I know there's a lot of, a lot of abuse and things like that, but it's sort of white noise to me when I'm on the field. So uh, yeah, I just genuinely love being on the field, around the game, and um, being involved. What's the secret to uh, shutting out negativity from the sidelines? <laughs> um, as I said, it's it's a lot like white noise when I'm out there in the game. Um, I guess stoppages in play, you, you hear it a bit more specifically, um, but I just ignore it. Um, I know at the end of the day, there's nothing to gain out of engaging with any of it um, unless there's something specifically said by a player on the field. The crowd doesn't mean any, anything to me when I'm on the field. So it's a skill that you learn and it's definitely a skill that I've um, adapted into the things I do in surf lifesaving and my work, the way that I speak to people. I guess it makes you think a bit more about what you're going to say before you speak. You, you think you speak more directly and, um, you know, change the different language that you use if, depending on the conversation. Yeah. But that is a good learning for sure. And it's important to understand in any leadership role, and referee is a leadership role in a sense, that you can never be right all the time and certainly refereeing <laughs> as the prime example that if there are a 50-50 crowd, you're going to be wrong 50% <laughs> of the time every call you make. So uh, you can't take it. I, I constantly, I love AFL and I'm constantly amused when you go to the football every single decision is wrong to someone that's why it's fascinating uh, yeah we're all a little biased but you know some people maybe just a little extreme <laughs> uh, subsequently the sucker for punishment thing I just think anybody who takes it on is amazing because you need our referees and people are always trying to make the call right call, whether you exactly you can't possibly see everything from every angle in the right way, but gee whiz, <laughs> you get a caning. Um, now, just changing tack, tell us about your role at Canterbury-Bankstown Council. Yeah, so um, I'm a, currently a senior town planner. I just got a promotion actually a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I started off as a cadet town planner, progressed to a town planner, and now I'm a senior. Um, and I assess development applications, um, so anything from residential, commercial, um, industrial, um, childcare centres, everything of the like. So, yeah, I really enjoy my job. It um, um, it gives me an insight into a lot of the developments out in the industry. Um, sort of gives me a bit of a urban design and architectural feel on. On development as well, so um, yeah, been doing, been working at council for almost four years now. Um, I'm pleased you explained your role because I was thinking maybe you plan stuff for older folk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, generally, the first response people say when you're a town planner, especially in Sydney, is, "Well, 
you know, I'm they're always the one pointing the finger at me saying, Oh, you've planned Sydney so poorly. And it's it's not it's not quite what I do for a job, but it's kind of along the same lines. Um, so we do have strategic planners that think more more strategically and broadly. Um, but as in development assessment, it's a bit more specific. So you have junior planners, uh, middle-aged people planners, and then seniors planners. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd think that way when you first read it. <laughs> no, it's just, just just that joke thrown in. Uh, tell us something that most people wouldn't know about you. Um, probably I, I lived in the USA in Denver, Colorado for six months and I went to Columbine High School. Wow. Um, so it's a bit of a fun fact, I guess. A lot of people know Columbine High School, I guess, yeah. for its, its history, um, but... Yeah, I was lucky enough to go there in 2013 as part of a um, six-month exchange program, and then had my the American partner who I was who partnered with. She she came and stayed with my family in Australia for six months. That would have been a, a cool experience. Yeah, it was. Um, we it was with the count the council sponsored the program, so we we had to do the Toastmasters public speaking course um, before we went because we were representing the council. Um, and we did a lot of networking events over there as part of their sister cities partnership um, in for Littleton, the, the town in, in Colorado. Um, and yeah, it was a great experience. I got to, you know, go skiing in the snowy mountains and uh, the Rocky Mountains, sorry. And um, as I said, got to experience American high school, like all the movies and play in the school soccer team. And um, we got to do a few trips around America to Las Vegas and, and LA as well. So Definitely an experience that changed my life. Are the schools and colleges what you see on the movies? Pretty much, yeah. It surprised me. I think the first question I had on day one was, um, did you have to learn English before coming to America? (laughs) (laughs) Or do you ride your kangaroo to school and things like that? (laughs) How fascinating. As we know, success generally doesn't come by chance. And I know you're really super committed to your work and also, of course, surf lifesaving. What's the key to your success and to to the to everything that you do? I think the the key and, and I, I've had times where I'm down or I'm just so stressed or burnt out is, is to be organized. Um so have a diary or use your calendar and your phone and actually map out everything that you need to do um, and do what you love. Um, so for me, surf lifesaving and all my volunteering is something that I love. I, I don't do it for the recognition. I do it generally to meet new people, learn new things and put myself out of my comfort zone. Um, and I always say to people in surf lifesaving that it it's given me more than I've given it um, because of the person that it's made me and, um, this things that it's taught me. Um, and I guess the other key to, to success is to make positive networks. So surround yourself by people of similar interests, people that are going to be positive, that they're not going to put you down um, and they're ultimately going, to, ultimately going to guide you in the right direction. Yeah. To grow, we have to come face-to-face with failure and how we deal with that and the lessons that we learn are really important as to how we grow. What's some of the uh, mechanisms or things that you've learnt along your journey that have helped you to cope and to grow? Uh, yeah, my 
my, the mechanisms I use is to just always look at the bigger picture. So if you, if you find yourself getting a bit bogged down, just take a step back and look at the bigger goal, the bigger picture of what you're trying to achieve um, and break it down into increments and you'll find that you can achieve it a little bit easier um, and celebrate small goals, small milestones um, because that'll, that'll help get you to that bigger picture. Always look for constructive criticism is a big one for myself. Um, you're never going to be perfect. So always look about, uh, especially people with more experience or, or even of lesser experience, about challenges that they've faced or, or, or take advice that they're giving you and always be receptive to that um, and adapt your personality to that as well if, you, if it doesn't uh, fit in. Um, try and always display resilience where you can. Um, and the last one I, I wrote down there was to always have a mentor. Um, it's a big one for myself. Um, I have a mentor that I'm pretty close with and I probably call him twice a week and he's really experienced, but he always just knows how to calm me down if I'm a bit stressed um, and point me in the right direction. All fantastic advice and people can uh, watch or listen rather to the podcast again or get the show notes to go over those. They're, they're really uh, good learnings and good observations, Michael. No wonder you're so successful. And I think you're right. I just realise the error of my ways. I'm not organised. I don't carry my diary everywhere. So but I, in all seriousness, I think that's spot on. Be organised but also uh, critique yourself and be open to people giving you constructive feedback as well and do what you love. If we have that opportunity, then that's pretty special and we should be very thankful for that and give our utmost. That's something that I was always taught by my father. If you're going to do something, give everything to it as well. So what's your future plans and goals? Um, obviously, my main priority is being successful in my career um, and giving my all to my job. Um, but outside of work, um, I'm currently, as I said, the life-saving manager for Surf Life Saving in the Sydney branch, um, which is a new new role, and it's really exciting. And there's a lot a lot happening, especially going into this new summer season um, with with COVID. Um, I'm I'm still really passionate about being a duty officer and responding to a lot of those higher profile um, jobs and responses. Um, I was lucky enough to go to the the flooding event that happened in Western Sydney. Um, in March this year and and we had responded alongside SES and um, a lot of other emergency services and um, it was it really opened up my eyes. So I'm really keen to sort of broaden my my learnings and opportunities in that in that higher up um, upper echelon of emergency services. Um, and hopefully um, p- pending COVID, hopefully get some overseas travel in. <laughs> as a future plan, but we'll see how that pans out. Got a feeling when things open up a little, it's going to be rather hectic. Uh, people <laughs> getting on those flights and making up for lost time. And it is, uh, you know, hearts do go out to everybody that have been through significant lockdowns over the months, particularly in New South Wales and in Victoria. I know you probably have had lots of ups and downs as well. You would have had to have had because you've got some pretty responsible roles. Things don't always go uh, don't go right for us. 
How do you stay motivated and strong and bounce back from those low moments? Yeah, I try and try and keep a balance um, as much as possible. So, you know, things just like even scheduling for myself just to do some exercise or go for a walk or go for a swim um, or for me just socialising with my friends outside of work and, and surf lifesaving can, can often be a good um, breather, I guess. Um, but as I said, surrounding surrounding myself with people I like that are positive and um, just just happy to have a good time. Um, staying organized, as I said, having a diary really helps me. Um, always communicate with those close to you, speak with a mentor, and always try and look outside the square. So try and look at it from a different angle. But there's been times where absolutely I've wanted to just give it all away. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was, I was writing my a thesis for my honours degree, trying to do all my surf life-saving volunteering hours as well as um, maintain full-time work. And I was sort of waking up at 5 a.m. and going to sleep at midnight, trying to get all that in. And I almost hit breaking point, to be honest. Um, but I think there was times where I just had to just say, I'm going to take a day off and just not do anything or just call up someone that I haven't spoken to in a while and just have a, a casual chat to get my mind off things um, as well. Yeah, very good idea. That explains a lot because at the judging, we were trying to debate how you fit everything into what you do. Now we know, you just don't sleep. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, and it's an important lesson there too, isn't it, not to pack too much in because it can become a burden and it could have easily become something that you didn't enjoy any longer. But obviously you learned to be able to manage that. Uh, all things started to open up for you. Going back to the awards in 2018, it must have been a thrill initially just to have been nominated for the Young Achiever Awards. Yeah, it was. And it's something... Um, it always leaves a weird feeling for myself winning awards in, in volunteering because we're all, in my opinion, of equal equal value. We all do it for the same reasons. We're all there not to be recognised. So it was a great um, – to me, it was a great feeling for my club. Um, we were going through a bit of a transition stage and to sort of be put on the map by this awards um, celebration was, was really humbling. Um, and just to be there as well on the night and and before the night and just to read all the stories um, was really inspiring and it was just it was just such a happy place to be to be honest there's just so much positivity in the room at the time yeah I think the um, thing with the awards that people don't necessarily realize is that it's more than the individual as you say it's about acknowledging and validating the work of so many around you. One person gets the acknowledgement, but it's the whole group that goes on the journey of validation and excitement for the nomination. And it helps to put people on the map for charities, for organisations like Surf Life Saving, like Wanda, to, uh, to be acknowledged for the work that you do personally, but for the broader group as well. Uh, and that is really important for, for nominate, potential nominators to understand you might be nominating one person, but it's the whole group. Sometimes people say to us, oh, I don't want to single one person out. 
and say, but you are recognising the lot. You are recognising the broader group by acknowledging one. So um, you made the finals, of course, as I mentioned earlier, for the Freemasons New South Wales ACT Community Service Award. But you also went on to win the Young Achiever of the, of the Year. That must have been uh, an absolute buzz for you. Yeah, it really was. And I was it was totally unexpected. I remember going up to the stage after hearing everyone's stories and, and all the other nominees. And I just had signed off on it in my head that I, I wasn't going to win um, because I knew that they were all better than me in my head. Um, and to win, I was... <laughs> I hadn't had a speech prepared. I, I was, I think, caught so off guard. And, um, yeah, I was totally blown away and, and incredibly humbled to win. And, um, yeah, it really it left, it put me on a projectile, I guess, for everything else that I've achieved there since as well. I, I didn't rest on my laurels after that. And I really wanted to show to other young people, um, say, tell my story and say, you know, use this as an example um, especially for those that might be struggling or looking for opportunities to to try and get opportunities. And, um, yeah, it was, it was just such a incredible night. I was lucky to have my, my family there with me and um, my best best mate and family friends is there there as well. So very Yeah, humbling. the awards do empower people to go to another level often, to be able to do more, to be uh, more aware in the community to raise awareness for others about what you're doing. And it's great that you're able to take advantage of that and use that opportunity. Is there anything that stands out in your mind still that you'll never forget about the awards night? Um, I think my speech um, was a little bit, uh, could have been better prepared because I didn't prepare one. Um, so it was a bit <laughs> off tangent, but the thing that stood out was would probably be listening to everyone else's stories. Um, obviously, it's not all about volunteers. It's about, you know, there's different categories and there was, I think, some amazing people in working in health and doctors and stuff at the time or people that were working on cures for cancer and things like that. And it, it's just, it, it for me, that put it all in perspective about some of the real change that some young people out there are doing and it makes you feel like, um, you need to do more, I guess. And I think especially at a time when I felt that everything you hear in the media was always negative, negative, and you go to an event like that and you just hear all these positives, especially that young people were working on it, it blew me away. And um, it, it was even so good to have John Barillaro there as the Deputy Premier um, to, for him to, to take that out of his time and to, to be there really shows the level of, of the awards that it, um, and the respect that it has in, in the in the community, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think we underestimate how much appreciation there is from high levels of the community for our young people and uh, the need for our young people to continue to create change, as you rightly said. In fact, the uh, Seven Years Young Achiever Award nominations are open right now right across the country, and if anybody wants to nominate someone, they can head to awardsaustralia.com or if you want to know how to make a contribution for our prize grants to go to the winners for the coming program, then you can head also to awardsaustralia.com for more information. Those uh, prize grants are coming harder and harder to find and to 
put together so anybody who's able to help make a contribution those funds will go directly to our winners for the 21-22 program in addition to being invited back the following year after winning your award uh, to the uh, awards gala presentation dinner to say a few words to the 450 guests that were there which your speech was excellent on that particular occasion uh, you're also invited to be an executive judge for the 2019 awards how did you find that experience yeah it was exhilarating um definitely definitely interesting to be at the other side of the piece of paper i guess um reading everyone like it's such a tough job for the judges having to read through those nominations um but it was it was really good and i learned a lot out of it too about some of the discussions that were had and trying to actually um you know rank i guess some of these amazing young people coming through and and the awards night um was another amazing night just seeing everyone else that was coming through and actually being able to sit back and i guess not be nervous about being a finalist and so forth was really enjoyable so yeah it was it was really really amazing and um it was it was good to see some of the other young people and, and i think some of them were as young as 14 that year winning yeah. winning higher awards as well would have been fascinating watching uh, and listening and experiencing judging from the other side of uh, of the fence, not being a nominee but being a judge. And it is daunting, isn't it? Absolutely. I don't envy judges. Um, and I, Yeah, it's, it's a tough thing to do, especially for all these young people that are all doing the ama- same amazing things um, and trying to, you know, look at the impact um, that they're all having and, and to kind of measure that is a, is a really tough thing to do. It's always a wonderful experience to participate in the judging across the country because we get together as a like-minded group of people who are really keen to give back but also make a difference in young people's lives. And uh, that one-month-long judging process, two weeks for the executive panel on that final long day of fun but very serious responsibility it's such a privilege and a joy and then to meet and see all of the finalists in person on the night is uh, is just so exciting are there any other hobbies or interests you have you know when you're not when you're meant to be sleeping <laughs> <laughs> um well since lockdown, I've been playing a hell of a lot more PlayStation, which is probably not a good thing. Um, but trying to still maintain some exercise and been swimming at the beach a lot, which has been good. Um, and I just um, purchased and moved into my new home, which has been exciting. And um, I'm studying a diploma um, of public safety and emergency services. So that is another extracurricular thing that I've I've got, but I've, I'm enjoying that as well. So still a lot to do, um, but it's um, nonetheless all keeping me busy and and um, entertained, I guess. Well, I think the PlayStation is the entertainment part. <laughs> but uh, congratulations on your new home. That's very, very exciting. Thanks. And does the um, new study, does that lead you into a connect outside of surf life saving or is a 
Is it more of a um, connection with other services, potentially with Surf Lifesaving? Um, so it was actually through Surf Lifesaving that put me onto it. Um, I was lucky enough to get a scholarship through the Australian Institute of Disaster Resilience a couple of years ago, and it sort of funded about half of it. Yeah, that, that's sort of how I got into it. And yeah, it doesn't really benefit my career in any way, but other than just benefiting my own personal development. So um, for surf lifesaving. So it's not often you see um, people in volunteer roles aspire to upskill with extracurricular and or post-grad learning. And I think that's what this was trying to achieve. And it's been really beneficial. So I'd recommend to anyone out there to actually try and look at that sort of stuff if you're in the same field as me. And yeah, I think it's... Uh, it's always good to keep learning new things and get, keep your head in the books at least somewhere. What's the passions that makes Michael tick? <laughs> um, I like being busy, I think. I think being busy, if I'm not busy, I probably don't know what to do. I like, I like to put myself out of my comfort zone. I like to always strive to be better and, and to challenge myself. And I just like to do things that I enjoy. So at the end of the day, I, I really enjoy going down to the beach um, and surrounding myself with the same people that are happy to volunteer their time. And um, or I really enjoy getting out on the footy field and and talking to players or blowing the whistle. So <laughs> there's things like that that, you know, really it's the, it's the highlight of my week. I look forward to it. And other than that, I, just, I, I love hanging out with my mates and, Hopefully, we can all see each other soon as well. All right. Tell us the truth here. Do you like sending people off the field? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I really <laughs> don't. But I think the, the first few rounds of this season, I had one each week. And I was, <laughs> no. So, it's not something I enjoy. But, um, yeah, I really don't enjoy that at all. <laughs> well, I guess you've got to do it. Otherwise, uh, everybody's going to go a little wild. Yeah, that's right. You need to maintain that control. Yeah. Do you have any other words of wisdom? You've given us plenty. <laughs> Anything else you can think to impart? Words of wisdom. Um, I think I've already said it, but put yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, the, the thing I always think about, and it might sound a little bit cliche, is but at the end of your life, what do you want to be remembered for? Um, so, you know, I always think about that and I think about, you know, leaving your your stamp or your footprint on this world or on your on your hometown or whatever it is, your your family name about something that you've achieved. And as you said, if you're going to do something, do it really well or as, as best as you can. And, and that's the way sort of I think about everything that I do. Great words of wisdom. Michael, where can our listeners connect with you online? Um, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Instagram. Probably won't won't say like Snapchat or anything like that. We'll keep it limited at LinkedIn, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to add today before we close it up? Um, I'd just like to say thank you to Awards Australia, Jeff and your team, um, especially for the recognition that I got in 2018 um, and the projectile that that put me on and, and even to be on this podcast today and to share my, my story Um it's imminent to see, you know, how passionate you guys are about sharing young people's stories. And it's something that uh, I think a lot of organisations in Australia can be better at, but there's, it's gaining a lot of momentum at the moment. So, 
yeah, just just really big shout out to you guys um, for all the hard work you do. I think it's it's for most of it, it's thankless work, and you you guys don't probably get the recognition you deserve. So, thank you, and and to anyone that's listening, please nominate um, as many people as you can, um, or if you know anyone in business, please sponsor uh, one of the awards if you can, because it, it really goes to a great cause. Oh, thanks, mate. That's very gracious of you. We do our best, and for us, it's not about us personally at Awards Australia getting the recognition. It really is about that connect between businesses who might want to partner because we don't get any funding other than the category naming rights sponsors that come on board. So, yeah, it is for us about acknowledging them and connecting them with community in their, in, in their chosen industry. I really appreciate your kind words. We love what we do, as you say. We're very passionate, all of our team is super passionate about uh, our purpose to make a difference. So thanks, mate. And uh, you are a real champion. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today, Michael. Uh, it's good to catch up to even virtually to, to <laughs> see you again after 18 and 19 because you are an absolute champion. Thank you so much for sharing some of your story with us. No worries. Thanks, Jeff. Well, good luck with that new home. Good luck with all of your roles at Surf Lifesaving. We really appreciate everything you do on behalf of those people that you help and support day to day on the beaches. We hope everybody listening has enjoyed hearing some of Michael's t- story today. And during these tough times, I encourage everyone to dream bigger and bolder. Be strong because whilst there often seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel, this too will end. And until next week, Please be kind to yourself and others and remember, together we make a difference. I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I have. We would love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. Did you know that Awards Australia is a family-owned business that proudly makes a difference in the lives of those that make a difference for others? And we thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our award programs possible. Do you know someone that's making a difference? Or maybe your business might like to sponsor an award. Contact us through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians, or head to our website, awardsaustralia.com. It would be great if you could share this episode with your network because who doesn't like a good news story? And please rate and review us. We would really love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe. And remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.